Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer is a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Okay, Shelvies, it's another Thursday, and you know what that means. It's a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. Welcome back if you are already subscribed, and remember to like the episode. And if you are new here, welcome! Welcome to the family, Shelby, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. And maybe check out the other episodes that we have for you. I mean, none of them disappoints. Promise, they're all chef's kiss. And we are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro, Christy Berman, and this week, oh my goodness, boy, do we have an author for you. We are so excited. She was born in Santa Cruz, California, and has lived many places, including Santorini, Greece, which I'm like, me, please, I want, (laughs) same, okay? She loves hiking, watching, soothing British farmland shows, which you need to, she needs to give us recommendations, by the way. And thinking of stories about messy families. And that's what I love about her work because who doesn't have a messy family? Come on, <laughs> right? Um, she is the author of a, tip, a Very Typical Family and The Second Chance Hotel. Both covers are beautiful, by the way. I, I just cannot... I, I want them on my shelves right now. By the time you are listening to this, the paperback for A Very Typical Family is already out. And the tagline is, all families are messy, some are disasters. Come on, just with that, <laughs> pick up the book. Please welcome to the podcast, Sierra Godfrey, everybody. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited. And plus, by the way, the Second Chance Hotel is already calling my name because I can't wait for <laughs> September. It comes out September. Well, if you are listening to this before September, it comes out September 2023. If you're listening to this after that, please go get that book because it's already, oh, imagine marrying a stranger and then inheriting a hotel in Greece. Oh, that's Come such on. a good premise. <laughs> Come on. I, I just, I just, I, I already... I've already hit the pre-order button. That's that's it. <laughs> okay, because I need that. It's a perfect summer read. Okay, yes. and again, cover is beautiful. So, Sierra, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, well, you've said it. I was born in Santa Cruz, <laughs> um, lived uh, all kinds of different places, and now I live um, not in Santa Cruz, but in the Bay Area. And with my um, my family, my which is not a not a very typical family and not messy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have, I have two little boys, and uh, yeah, I um, work as a technical writer for my day job, and uh, just you know, I'm a very lucky person to get to to write stories and um, you know <laughs> just indulge my love for for messy families. <laughs> 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 and and, and I, I believe that's a great theme to have like mm-hmm. in your in, in your writing because you know sometimes it's like we forget that that there is that family unit that uh, the characters are in and it's just uh, beautiful to be able to explore that uh, with your work and so it 
before we get into your your uh, shelf book story, I wanted to ask like when you say technical writing because I used to teach creative writing and and we would differentiate between what's academic, what's technical, and what's creative. So what in your terms, what is technical writing? Technical writing is is parsing highly technical information for an end user, usually a customer, the user of something. I started out my career, um, you know, writing user manuals and assembly line instructions. And now I've um, moved into software and I document APIs, which is a whole different ballgame. But essentially, it's for the end user of the product to help understand, you know, how to use it, basically. Oh, okay. Now I'm validated. My my was correct. <laughs> Just needed to know that it was a selfish question, really. But yeah, it's uh, I guess because you can't. I really needed when I was teaching that to differentiate the three because a lot of a lot of the students did, didn't know like, oh, this is what this is. This is what this is. This is what that. It's it's so, what the IKEA instruction manual is missing. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Actually, the IKEA instructions are a fantastic example of tech writing without words. They've done a beautiful job of showing every detail. And that's totally an aspect of tech writing. No, no. No, No, but I guess it depends because there are people who are visual. So they can look at the the pictures. And because like, like I, you know, like for my, for my work, well, actually weird, but on the side in my work, I am made to um, put together furniture. <laughs> I work at the front desk, but I put together furniture. Nobody else can put together furniture. So looking at the visuals and being able to, um, you know, put them all together, it works. So I don't it's need the words. Yeah. It's I don't a skill need that some people have it. and some people don't. <laughs> That's some people don't read that's very true. when they put it together. No, no, that's why no, that's why the general manager is like, nobody but cat can do <laughs> furniture. Nobody. <laughs> like, okay. All right. So I'm wearing a dress and I built two side tables tonight. That's what I did. Oh, that's what I did. In a dress. So every guy that passed by, they're like, this is wrong. Why why are you doing this? Hey, anyway, women can do it too. In dresses yeah, no, too. No, in I heels too. Oh, no, I think I think they were half turned on, half um I should be doing that. You know, it's like you should be over there standing pretty and I should be the one screwing in a you know, um top of a side table. So I yeah, that's what they were that, that was the vibe. And plus half of them were drunk anyway. So Okay. <laughs> anyway, oh my god, we have digressed. This is we really have. We really oh, have. Sorry. Okay. Sarah, what is your what is your book project that you want to share with us? Yeah. Um, I have a couple. Uh, <laughs> certainly the uh, the manuscript that eventually became my first novel, um, published novel. A very typical family was um, quite a different story before I was able to get that <laughs> into uh, my agent's hands to sell. And it was uh, it was actually completely different. It was more of a rom com. It was 
um, different, different setting, different characters. But the thing that remained was the sibling, the core sibling problem. And what I realized with that first manuscript was, and I loved it too. I really loved that manuscript and I rewrote it and I probably took a year on that um, before realizing it was just, it was not commercially saleable. The hook wasn't unique enough. Um, but I, I realized there was this core story about this woman um, who had had trauma with her siblings earlier in life and was coming back and they have to work it out. And what fascinated me was the adult approach of siblings, whether they choose to be uh, friends as adults, you know, you know, you grow up together. I, I'm actually an only child, so I don't really know this, but I have been fascinated by siblings and sibling dynamics all my life, possibly because I'm an only child. And I just really wanted to know if you were, uh, if you, if you stay friends, especially mm -hmm. after betrayal, you know, later in life. So that's really what started coming out of the story. And um, that's really what it became. So that early draft was definitely shelved. I still have a lot of love for it, <laughs> but it was very shelved. Um, and I would say uh, there's actually, I, ha I have a string of shelves <laughs> scripts behind me. I, I leave a trail behind me. Um, <laughs> the first full length novel I ever wrote is the true shelved one. That was training ground for me. It was 150,000 words, <laughs> grossly meandering. I loved the concept of the story, but everything about it had to go everything. And I, I didn't know, you know, enough. And so I actually queried it and, um, you know, was roundly rejected as rightly so. And then I realized, okay, I better learn a little bit about the industry, learn about what's the appropriate word count length for women's fiction and commercial fiction. And so, um, yeah, I had to rein it in. So that one will never, ever see the light of day. Um, <laughs> it just, that one was, a lot of words for learning, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I, you know, the, I, my first agent and I were, we sent a novel out on sub and um, that novel I really liked. And that one is shelved probably forever. But, you know, I think the question is, is anything really shelved? And we'll get into that, I think. The mm -hmm. answer for me is no, because I've really gone back to, a lot of early manuscripts and maybe taken a kernel of it or, or something about the story and then completely reworked it. Um, and I, I, I love, I love that we're, we're talking about this because I have not taken the time to look back over my evolution in my mm -hmm. writing and seen where I've grown. Um, but I can see now that I have, which is a relief. <laughs> Now, from, from the first time you picked up a pen to write that first story to the time that you got your agent and went on sub and all that, like how long a time span is that? Well, okay. So it's a long time. It's yeah. about 15 years. Okay. Um, but I, I like to tell that story because everybody's story is different. And mm -hmm. there are people who are like, you know, I, I, it's taken me a long time. Is it ever going to happen? The answer is Yes. Um, and I had babies in the middle of that too. And if you, if you've ever had a baby, you know, that that throws you for a loop. So that, that probably took out a good five to seven years of, <laughs> from mental capacity lost. Um, 
And, uh, but you know, a lot of that was just, I had to learn what I was doing. I didn't, uh, I've always written stories, always. I've written ridiculous stories, um, young, young age, but I did not even write a full length novel until I was 30. So it's been um, an evolution. Good for you. And yes, kids can swipe your mental capacity so fast. It's not even funny. <laughs> yeah. And I get a lot of questions too. You know, how did, how did you do it? How did you fit it in? Uh, you know, you just got to make room for it. And if, if uh, babies come in the middle of that, then, then that's where your life goes for a little while. And that's okay because that's what happens. That's life. So, yep. A hundred percent. And the, um, the story that you queried now, did you have critique partners at that time? Did you have somebody look it over? How how did that work? Yeah, I always have critique partners, always, um, and including and especially Mike Chen, who was on the <laughs> <laughs> podcast before. Um, we had been each other's um, main critique partner for years. And um, we, I, he might have talked about this, but we practiced what we called this diplomatically brutal technique where we weren't playing around. Like we both wanted, wanted traditional publication. We both wanted to, um, you know, be represented by a literary agent. And we also recognized that you can't, you can't review or, you know, critique or read someone's work and go, yeah, it's okay. No, you really gotta say, this is not saleable. And here are the reasons why, or, here are all the reasons that an agent or an editor are going to reject it. So, you know, we, we really wanted to push each other to get to that point of success and acceptance where it could be uh, assailable, which is not, not the same thing as good, right? Saleable isn't always the same thing though. Um, and yes. And I have also worked with um, a few other longtime friends. One is Kristen Lippert Martin, who wrote some wonderful YA books, um, one of which is Tabula Rasa. She's been my longtime critique partner. She, they, she reads everything I write. So yeah, nice. I've, had a, I've had a long time support. <laughs> so like, have you ever, when you started writing, did you already immediately start with women's fiction? Was that always your go-to in terms of the type of things that you like to write? Yeah, absolutely. I love reading it. And I definitely love writing it. And it's funny, because I have a lot of different interests. I, I definitely have a, um, a, a I love <laughs> weird and dark and macabre kind of things. But I don't want to write that. I don't. And I've had people say, oh, you should write thrillers. You should. And I'm like, I don't. I just, it's not me. I want to write about the woman's experience. I want to write about how we grow and change. And um, I think for me, you know, writing was definitely a way to work out my own issues. You know, I, I don't know about this. I'm going to write a story about it. But I love stories about change mm -hmm. um, in our lives. So that's that's definitely what I gravitate towards. And when I think about writing a new story, it's always it's always that. And then it usually comes back to family dynamics, too. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Sorry, Chrissy. No, I was just going to say, because yes, like you said, families are messy. My family is messy. <laughs> so like, I, I think everybody has things that they can work out and reading books like that is, I don't know, those are the best kind of, like, you know, the, the ones that make you think. I love it. Yeah. And I, that's what was so interesting about the title for a very typical family, because there is no typical family. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, one thing I, I never expected was 
for people to uh, readers to contact me and say, um, you know, because it's about a story about a, it's about siblings who have, you know, had a betrayal and trauma and they had 15 years of silence and they come back together. Um, and I had readers reach out to me, say, I, I'm estranged from my sibling. And this book made me think about getting back in touch with them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you yeah. kidding me? Me? My <laughs> That's so amazing. And I, and I was like, I hope you do, do it, write your own story. Do be that story. That's, that's mm-hmm. so wonderful. So nice. yeah, that's it. <laughs> And in exploring, like, why, why was it, why were you drawn to, like, the family dynamics in terms of, like, a theme for your writing? Because, like, it's not necessarily something that you, I, I, I don't know, it's like, as a writer, I didn't necessarily think of it that way. It's like, because for me, I guess I gravitate towards the romance. So I look at the, I look at the, you know. Well, I always put that in too. (laughs) That's always going to be an element of my stories. Um, I think, again, it goes back to being an only child and not having those siblings, you know, and and growing up. I definitely remember times like when I was nine. This is this is terrible, but I wanted a brother so badly that I invented one and told all my friends at school that I had this older brother. And I'm like, yeah, you know, his door's right over there. And it was like a closet door. (laughs) I just, I really wanted, um, I wanted somebody else. And uh, I, you know, I didn't have that. And so I I think the ways in which siblings have those friendships and those deep connections fascinates me. So I just keep coming back to it. It's amazing how like our childhood work on our brains you know what I mean like it's it's amazing the human brain is just something else it's incredible yeah and as I've gotten into adulthood I've really uh been able to see so much more clearly how your parents uh and then generational issues are are put on you um and how that affects you and works out through different ways so yeah Yeah. the whole thing's fascinating Yeah. yeah And, and nowadays, too, like, the sandwich generations, you know, like when you're taking care of an older person and children at the same time, that's, that's not stressful at all, you know, so. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly the position I'm in where I am taking care of a parent. And it's just, it is, it is just amazing to see the push and the pull of the, yeah. the previous and the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's also a different dynamic now, because if you're taking care of the parent, but at the same time they still see you as the the child so but you're now you need to make decisions because you're taking care of the parents so that that's a whole it throws off the dynamic as well because you know um at, at the end of the day i think like parents it to, to relinquish that right is something that's just not it's just hard yeah and I think worth exploring too in a book and, and you know, that kind of. Yeah, you got fodder <laughs> for stories. I'm working on it. I love asking this question most probably because I'm an outliner. Like I outline everything and Kate and Angie are the pantsers. But how do you go about doing your work and writing your books? I wish I had a good one answer for that. Um, I have tried the pantser method of just starting with a blank page and falling seeing it fall flat I've tried with a very super outline process um 
uh, you know, I pretty much always try to think um, of a structure, but I don't always know that structure until I write a draft or two, because I kind of need to know who the characters are and I need to hear their voices and I need to see what their problems are in order to move forward through that structure. So at these, this point, it kind of goes hands in hand. You know, I try to always adhere to the Save the Cat beats, um, which when I read Save the Cat, I was like, oh, this is it. This is, really speaks to me. Very, very structured. These beats make a lot of sense. Um, so that I try to keep to as much as possible. But uh, so it's a combination and it's also an iterative process. So mm -hmm. I think... I think the biggest thing is by now I have learned I'm going to take three or four drafts to get there. How long does it usually take for you to start with the very first draft to the end? Like how long yeah. of a process is that? Uh, that depends whether I'm on deadline or not. <laughs> um, I can get out uh, a rough draft in a month and a half, um, which is really fast. That's, you know, manic <laughs> writing. Yeah. Um, it's not good, but that's, that's <laughs> manic writing. Um, and I, I have to build in time away from the draft. Mm -hmm. I just get buried in the trees. I can't see the forest. So I have to have a couple months. This was the hardest lesson for me to learn is take a couple months and put the manuscript away and do not look at it. And mm -hmm. I would never adhere to that. I'd be like, Oh, but I go back in and, you know, mess <laughs> with it. And I, I can't Same. do that. So, yeah. That's that. Gosh, that's a hard lesson. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, but it's true though. I mean, you see so much if you just let it sit for a few months and yes. before going back and doing the edits. Yeah. Yeah. So now yeah. I, I think if I think of approaching a story, building those months away in, that's key for me. So mm -hmm. that helped a lot to think of it that way. And during those months that you're away, are you? Well, obviously you're thinking about it without really thinking about it, but are you writing something else or are you completely like nothing's going on? You're just. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I mean, these days now, you know, what I do is I send a pitch to my agent um, and have her say, yes, this sounds really viable or no, this is not quite, you know, where you probably need to be. Um, so what I'm writing is usually already pre-vetted by her, I guess, in a way, uh, in terms of being saleable and commercial and viable. So that's a, that's a huge thing for me. Like if I already know, okay, she sees potential in this, then I will go forward. But if, if she said no, then I wouldn't waste my time on it. Yeah. Cause it takes so long to write a novel. It takes, it does. You know, I, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, really, your question deserves another answer, which is probably it should take a year. Does it always? <laughs> yes or no. But with time built in and, yeah, it should. Maybe a little less. <laughs> I, I, no, I get that because, like, for me, I, I guess I, I really need to unlearn that need for control because of, it's true, I also... Stephen King famously said, right, like, you know, set it aside. Don't, you know, don't jump into editing it right away. But I'm like, now it's done. Now I get to edit. Because it's like, I think editing, I like, that's why I like editing more. Because I guess there's already something there. Now I can fix, you know. But you're right. I need to learn to like, okay, it's done. Set it aside, you know. I like My that method. 
set it aside method. Like, cause we, as we write, we, I switch with my critique partners. And so Ooh. we edit as we go. And then at the uh -huh. end, I wait for a couple months and let it sit. And then I go back because you, I get so like the first draft, you know, you, you edit it like multiple times. Like I do, I edit it multiple times before, yeah. you know, and then at the end I have to just be away. Yeah. I think it's about learning too what your strengths are and what your what your weak spots are. Um, plot is has never been my strength, <clears throat> so I know that I'm going to have a lot of changes to the structure of the plot. So uh, sending to people to read right away is not a good thing for me because I know so much of the story will change. Yeah. Um, you know, usually character is fine, usually dialogue is fine, but yeah. That plot. <laughs> <It's my laughs> <weird> spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's hard. I was just telling Auntie yesterday, actually, we were talking about plotting and I was saying how making my characters suffer is so hard for me. And she's like, no, that's one of my strengths. You know, like I think bouncing off somebody yeah. who can, yeah, finding somebody who can say, like, no, 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 I'll take care of that for you. Like, let me point out where you, you know, need to this worry about it. need to make her cry right here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's a huge point. I'm yeah. very conflict avoidant. And when my, so for my first novel, A Very Typical Family, my editor actually said, you know, what we really need is this really, I want to see a scene where the main character confronts her ex. And I'm like, oh, but couldn't they just do that over the phone? And she'd be like, okay, bye, click. Like, no, we want to see that. So I had to really struggle and write that. And I've noticed since that I, I, struggle with writing those really big confrontation scenes and so now I have to push myself a little harder on those yeah and you had that you, that your agent was able to point that out and and, and now that you've recognized yeah. it you can focus on it yes <laughs> yeah. and having Mike as a critique partner I'm sure you know like you have strengths that he doesn't and vice versa so I'm sure that you know like you and I loved how you guys work on the what is it again diplomatic and diplomatically brutal <laughs> there you go and I think like when he mentioned that and again when you mentioned it, it to me like it's the perfect critique partner because mm -hmm. you have to be brutal or else what's the use yes. and you have to be diplomatic because right. otherwise it's like I mean you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings but you do <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. you I don't want to turn them off writing forever exactly right. <laughs> but the the requirement for that to work is trust, total yes. trust. <clears throat> and that's why it worked with us because we both knew where we wanted to go and we trusted each other to tell us the truth to get to that point. Um, and even now, you know, he'll send me um, an outline for, for something he's working on and I'll go, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> that doesn't work. And here's why. And he'll go, okay. All right, you know, and it's, I think for me anyway, um, I'd be tempted to go, well, what do you know? That's not true. I think it's fine. So I think that trust with each other has to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. I agree. But in the, in the end, it's the brutalness of it that has to be, like the honesty of it yeah. that has to be, yeah. It's hard, but it's, it's the truth, you know, like you need to hear it. And it's so much easier to critique somebody else's work than your own for exactly what you were right. saying, Tina. You're so deep into the forest that you don't even see it anymore. So mm -hmm. I agree. 100%. Yeah. You know, and and learning to, yes. 
and and learning to to say okay you're right is part of that. <laughs> it's, it's, is definitely the other part of you know that relationship I love you're when like, you said okay. that <laughs> so I feel uh, she said begrudging okay. <laughs> yes very but having right, that uh, right. time away I think it's like having that time away from like you get that critique and then you, you take some time you walk away so you can really just process it and not let yeah. it get in and uh, really see it for what it is that it's really someone yeah. trying to help you be better yeah. Again, that is like the key skill to learn well for me is walk away for, and not for a day and not for a week either. And my brain will tell myself, I'm oh, fine. A week's fine. A week is good. It is not good. A month is good. And two months and six months is great. But six months, like what? I can't stay away from the manuscript for that long. I've got things to do. But yeah, you got to give yourself as much time as possible. And especially like if you're on deadline, it's like that. How do you yes. balance that now? How do you, if you're on deadline and on contract, like how do you then write, stay away, edit, and then be able to still submit a draft to your editor? I don't have a good answer for that because um, the Second Chance Hotel was book two of my two book contract, mm -hmm. but I had written most of it before we even sold book one. So I felt like I was, I thought I was up in the game. I'm like, oh, I've already got <laughs> Already have one. Well, what happened <laughs> is I got caught up in the edits for book one and oh. I had put aside book two and I came back to it like, all right, I'm just going to whip this into shape and went, oh God, now I have to rewrite it. Oh. <laughs> so then I had to scramble to do that. So uh, I don't think that's the way forward either. Um, I think you just have to keep continually working and do not take time off or give yourself a break. So you said you had to rewrite it. What happened? Was it I just needed some, yeah, it was the plot. Again, it's okay. always the plot for me. <laughs> <laughs> the plot has fallen apart. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if maybe just having the, the process of editing the first book helped you to realize some of the problems that you may have with the second. It book. did for sure. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, but the other thing too is um, I work really, really well on a deadline. I mean, if you tell me something is due, I, I will get it to you by 11.59 p.m. That, <laughs> that is my deadline. Um, so I, I just, I think my brain was just like, okay, well, got to move things around. I am on deadline. This is what needs to happen to make that happen. So hmm. I wish do I had a deadline for everything. Tell us if you don't want to do this, but I'm curious because I have plot issues too, which is why I outline because otherwise, well, my first, my shelf, first shelf book was 200,000 and nothing happened. I'm telling you. So um, <laughs> plot is an issue. And I'm wondering like, what part do you think? Like, is it at the midpoint? Is it like your middles that you feel that you have, you know, like, cause everybody talks about the muddy middle or is it like when you're getting to the end and you have too many plot holes, like, where do you feel that like, it's definitely in the second half for me. Um, absolutely. I've had people say, oh, the metal is sloggy. Readers have said that. I'm like, oh, God, oh, God. This is why you don't read reviews. <laughs> um, uh, so I think uh, my second half is, is, is hard. Once you've hit that midpoint, you're like, okay, do I ramp it up? Do I push it down? Definitely struggle for me. And then hitting that mailing to... Uh, 
let me rephrase that, nailing that ending and making yeah. sure that ending, that climactic event has all of those elements in there that are yeah. satisfying to the expectation your reader has, I think is, is one of my challenges as well. We could do a whole episode on not reading um, reviews. Reviews? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 OMG. OMG. Yeah. It's it, even even the ones that are praising your book, by the way, uh, it's just right. cannot because, you know, you're like, oh, I'm fine. It's okay. I'm good. You know, and in the, the problem next- is when you have a book coming out, you don't know how it's going to hit <clears throat> and you don't know how it's going to be received and you're desperate for any kind of feedback about that mm-hmm. as you get closer to pub day so the, the urge to look is stronger and that's <laughs> you really should not <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> and above all never ever respond mm. yes <laughs> and no because I think it's because like you know like you said it's like it's almost like you're in a bubble when you're writing the book and when it's finally out there you just you're curious you want to see like how are they yeah. how are they you know accepting it how are they are they liking it or it's it's human nature right and want to know that for traditionally published books your publicity machine doesn't really start up until much closer to pub day mm-hmm. and your um in your trade reviews they don't start coming in until closer to pub day so mm-hmm. um you know <laughs> i know i have a a client slack or a whole bunch of um, my agents, clients, we're all in, and it's wonderful support system. But uh, one of the biggest topics of conversation is, oh my gosh, I'm you know X amount of weeks out from pub day, and I haven't heard anything, and it's silence, and I'm freaking mm-hmm. out. And it's always, it will, it will happen. It's just this, there's this like vacuum period, <laughs> so, <laughs> three to four months before pub day, where you're just not hearing anything, and you start going, oh god, it's a flop, you know. But then you start turning <laughs> to reviews just to hear it something a shred of something so. <laughs> that is the most relatable thing and a great behind the scenes look as well into the into that process because i think those who are like starting off and and just getting into the the traditional publishing scene or whatever it's like it's kind of that that you're right that vacuum of silence mm-hmm. that happens and and you, you, you're not exactly, you don't know exactly what to do. It's like, should I also promote my book? Should I also, you know, and. There's no guide for it. It's no. yeah. Every, and every situation is different, but it is really hard to know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. yeah. Especially if you're a debut author, it's like, oh, oh my God, you know, it could be overwhelming yeah, it's and even worse. at the same time. Yes. That's right. Yes. And you, you don't know what to expect, but you're hoping for, you know, fireworks in the world. And if that doesn't happen, oh boy, you're going to have your expectations quickly <laughs> adjusted. Um, this right now is, I'm about three months out from the pub date of my second novel. Mm-hmm. So I've done this before. And I think a lot, spent a little bit of time right now thinking, okay, where was I this time last year? And what have I learned? And what I learned is there's nothing under my control. The The machine is doing what it does. The publisher and the publicist, they all, you know, the sales department, that is all happening. There is very little authors can do to move the needle, even this, this far out. So I'm just relaxing as much as I can. There's just not, there's no sense in stressing, which is all very well to say, <laughs> but it is easier 
once you go through that and learn it. So like right now, are you, you're writing, you're writing something new or is it like, are you preparing for something else? Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way through anything is just keep writing and focus mm -hmm. on something new. And um, I, I actually, <laughs> Um, have my third novel with some beta readers and I'm anxiously awaiting their feedback. Oh, nice. I'm like, what nice. I while I'm waiting oh, for that? Nice. <laughs> so are you in that process? Are you in that part of your writing career where do you sell it on proposal or are you, or do you have to write the entire book and then it will go on sub again? Um, yes, that's, that's where we are. We're uh, right. A whole, whole book goes on sub. Um, but again, you know, the pitch is agent approved. So yeah. I know that my agent's invested in it and she's looking forward to that. Um, this, the, my, my third book is um, something that she's already re read a draft of. So, and she liked it. So there's, you know, when you get it represented by an agent, it's, it's a whole different world where you have that support and you have somebody going, yeah, I talked to editors. This is viable. This is saleable. This is what they want which makes us a lot better to write yeah. <laughs> than know that this could work, you know? Yeah. You never really know until you get that yes, till you get that yes, oh, I want to acquire it. But um, yeah, it's nicer to know that. Yeah, at least you're not writing in a void, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, and for me, the writing in the void is the hardest part. Yeah. If I just don't know, that's why this part of the pre-pub process is so hard. The void part is just torturous. <laughs> And I'm so I'm a person who, you know, likes statistics and I like <laughs> metrics. And I'm like, just tell me something. <laughs> it's like anything. Because writing is already like, you know, you're alone most of the time anyways. Like if you can just get a little bit of, yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree with yeah. you. And if they don't tell me, then I will make it up in my head. And that is a bad place to go. Well, that's the problem with creatives, right? Yes. <laughs> we'll just make yes. it up if you don't tell us. Yeah. Speaking of different scenarios in your head, and you're like, which one fits? And and I think um, you like you're you're also one of the authors that we've talked about that does um, women's fiction. You know, that, like that's that and. What is, because you say that women's fiction, you write a little bit of romance into that. So what makes it different from like a full-blown romance novel as opposed to like it's women's, women's fiction? Yeah, I think full-blown romance is, is very focused on the romantic element. It's going to be a story about two people coming together. Um, but women's fiction is really about um, the woman's life as a whole and um maybe other things she has going on in there it doesn't always have to have romantic elements i like it i always like to have a happily you know <laughs> ever after ending that's probably how i'll always end my my novels um and i really like seeing a woman deal with some aspect of her life whether it's her family or her parents or her job or her you know sense of identity or Maybe even something as small as she's gotten something wrong all her life, you know, a belief, a belief system and seeing that change. I really love that. I love yeah. seeing them transform a whole way of thinking based on whatever she's gone through in the novel. That is, is fantastic. And, you know, a happily ever after. <laughs> yes. I love a happy ever after. Yes. No, that's, that's great food for thought, like, especially for me, because I also want to explore writing women's fiction coming from 
someone who's like focused on uh more of the romantic aspect it's like i don't want to leave the romance aspect of it but i also like you said want to explore the other aspects of a woman's life and how mm-hmm. she lives it and you really clarified a lot of what it means like what women's fiction means for me and that sort of i think unknotted a few things in my brain that i'm like <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah. <laughs> i know and yeah I mean, and, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say our, our lives are complicated. Yeah. Women uh, take on so much, you know. You can say, oh, okay, well, we have babies and we work and we do whatever, but and we handle it all. Yes, but it's hard. It's hard. And we don't always make the right decisions. And how do we make those decisions? That's what fascinates me. Um, and I like to see that done with a little bit of humor. And I like to see pretty much every aspect of our lives touched, um, you know, in those kinds of stories. So I like to see the, the love part, you know, what, what's going on in our love part, the work part, what's happening in our, you know, they say you should start, uh, when you start a novel, you should see, you know, the home view and the work view and the life view, right? Ooh. That's like the kind of trifecta to start off a, a good story. And, um, you know, and I find that very true for me. I want to know what is it? Do they kind of, what do they do for work? Uh, What does the character do for work? Do they like it? Are they successful in it? Because that informs everything else, right? Mm. Do they go home at night? Are they miserable when they get home? Are they, do they walk in the door to chaos? Do they walk in the door to loneliness and sadness? Again, that informs everything about the story. So so much there. It's rich every time. (laughs) Yep. That's fascinating. Home view, work view, life view. Wow. It's like three circles that need to interlock to be the whole Venn diagram thing. Yeah, and anything can go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Anything can go wrong with any part of that at any time. And that there you go. There's your story. See? And in real life, all three go wrong all at the same time, all the time. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. Exactly. And then when you write that in a book, people say it's not believable. That's right. That's too much. You went too far. (laughs) Well, I think probably we read the we read books because we are given every book has a a good three act structure. Whether you Mm -hmm. think it does or not, it absolutely does. That's what story is. That's how humans do story. Um, And, you know, when you read a book about that for women, it's very satisfying because it's almost a closed system of okay, I can, I can understand this because it's within this structure. Mm-hmm. And that helps a lot. Uh, anyway, for me as a reader. <laughs> no, for sure. <laughs> sure. It's, it, it really clarifies a lot. And as a writer and seeing it from a writer's perspective as well, makes it like, oh yeah, why did I think of it that way? and and so like you being able to share that with us, it's, it's, it's a fascinating conversation that we're having it because is. It, it's you know it's like looking at we've we've talked about different if if you are following this dear Shelby you're we have talked about so many dynamics in this episode alone I think that's the theme of this episode mm-hmm. so the different dynamics yeah. of family of writing of publishing of you know we've we've seen it we've and so Sierra thank you so much for sharing that with us and being open to you know because we are thinking right now it's like hmm. yeah we are we're like the gears the gears are turning it's like you, 
you know it's like I love it I love that yeah because we debrief afterwards and it's like yeah but the thing is we're so lucky like we're lucky because we get to hear all these authors and what you just said there like with the three the Venn diagram like I mean that totally like I don't, know, that, I don't know about you ladies, but it clicked for me. That's why I was like, oh. like, oh, wait sense. a minute. My plot issues might just be solved because. What starts happening is you start writing stories and you're like, oh, am I missing a key part of this? Mm. And you go back, oh yeah, I didn't do a good enough job with the work element. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go flesh it back out and you're like, okay, I've got it now. Anyway, that's how it worked for me. So yeah. And it yeah. works for different genres. You can look yeah. at it in yeah. different genres. It's just because the character must have those three things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and it doesn't mean you have life. to spend you don't have to spend equal amounts of time on yeah. each of those things, right. but those are really important elements of a character and where they start off in a story. What is that picture of where they are? Because again, the start of a story is, you know, what's going wrong in those three elements to necessitate the change, which kicks mm-hmm. off the story, no matter yes. the genre. Sierra, you yes. need to write a book about like, structure with those yeah. three bubbles. A technical, like, a technical writing book yes. about writing that Correct. You know, <laughs> talks about the user three, manual. <laughs> yeah, that three structure. Oh my gosh, I would buy it right, right now. Yep. Oh, well, <laughs> you were too kind. That is, I mean, it's out there, right? That's what's in the Save the Cat Beats. That's really so any kind not, of structure. Not that way. Not that way. Not that, not way. that way. Yeah. It, because you spoke about it in such a practical, mm-hmm. very easily understood way. Because yep. everybody has a life, a work, and a home structure. Yes. So you, so now you get it. Because oh yes, if I have that, my character should have that too. Why doesn't my character yeah. have that? But here's the thing: she is a technical writer, so she can <laughs> write it like exactly. writing for dummies. Right? <laughs> the whole point of this podcast is you don't always do it that way you have to you have to learn that the hard way and along the way you shelve stuff you know it took me a long time to learn learn that another thing that sticks out um to get to that sort of three trifecta of way to start a story is thinking about what's in the person's pockets or handbag which again is another regional representation of how to start those three elements you know what do they carry around with them what matters to them? Uh, what is what are the little items in there? Do they carry a lot of money? Do they, you know, have a phone in there? Is there a lot of crumbs on the bottom of the bag? Like each of these things will really tell you more about those three elements of the story. But you know, that's the easy part I have to say because it's very visual and very clear. The deeper you get into a story, it's like an onion. You're peeling back issues and and. Yeah behaviors and learned <laughs> ideas and it's like oh gosh how far do we go down this is this is her I, see I didn't even think about that either the bag and how big is the bag and what's in the bag and, see, see this is this is a whole instructional guide now I mean save the cat who what this is this is but just you're putting it in such practical terms mm-hmm. you be like what that it, it because it does inform that like you know well it makes it, it easy to understand and how to you know to try and yes, really because look if the character it. for example has a big like tote bag 
and has everything in it. You already know that that character needs control in their life because yes. they have everything yes. for every scenario in that bag. Yes. Because whatever happens, at least they have toothpaste, toothbrush, underwear, <laughs> whatever. It's all there. Right? Exactly. So it's almost like they can MacGyver their way out of anything because of that bag. So now you're thinking, or so now they you have think a they can. Ah, <laughs> they think they can. Oh, and then even better. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's just because of the character's bag, right? So much fun. Oh my, my gosh. <laughs> it this is character development taken in a whole different context, which yeah. probably did not occur to any of the writers listening. To this episode right now. <laughs> like, and it's, I find that so much easier than answering all those questions. You know, like they always say, like, oh, like, what does your character feel about her mother, her cat, her house? No, like, I kind of like what you just said there, like, what, what's in her bag or what's in his bag? Like, yeah, you know so much it, about your character or, from yeah, that. It's like, because look, like, if it's a guy, is it a money clip, a card case, a wallet? Right right because those are different things it, it, it or so what does their sense. car console have yes. you know is it full of crumbs and fast food wrappers or is it neat as a pin you know are there money is there money change in there a pair of sunglasses whose sunglasses you know you yeah. can go on all kinds of different. it doesn't have to be a bag but it's like what are the things the character carries around with them day to day what do they not think about they're carrying when they get up in the morning and put on clothes are they going to grab a bag are they thinking ahead or are they just pulling on pants and shoving whatever they have, like their wallet in their back pocket? What is it? No, I know. Also informs. <laughs> and that informs the character. And now you sort of understand who the character is and how they would make decisions based on what you think is a mundane thing as like what you put in your back. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, and you can grow their emotional response based on yes. that. If you have a character, for example, in a very typical family, um, my character, Natalie, is a mess. She's trying to get out the door for work. This is how the novel opens, and she's just knocking things over. Mail is falling all over the floor. She knocks jars over. It's just, she's a mess trying to get out the door. And that there says to me, uh, she's a mess professionally. Yeah. She can't get out the door on time. She's going to be late for work. It's a big, important day at work, and she's uh, not able to get herself together. And that bears out. She gets to work, and it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And her desk's a mess, too. Yeah, so that that's already the domino effect of it, you know, yeah. and right. how big it's going to get within the day. I, but for I me, know... what's interesting there is she makes that happen. It isn't yeah. just a sudden surprise at work it's she's been messy from the very get-go she's never not been messy and that's her problem she's got to stop being messy and she better figure that out by the end of the novel and stop and get over that and learn tools to overcome that (laughs) that to me is like a good transformation story see like i'm you know how we were talking pre-recording about how like we're stunned well okay yeah. Here we are. I'm stunned. Didn't, didn't, didn't we just agree not to break us? <laughs> didn't we just? I just broke. I broke. Because, I, yeah. Well, I'm just you thinking about give the me that challenge. 
<laughs> challenge accepted that's right because i'm just thinking about the character that like i mean that me and, and andy were talking about yesterday and i'm like oh my goodness like what would i put in her bag you know all these things are flying through my head it's like yeah i'm broke yeah, yeah and i'm sure. thinking about what i should put in my character's bag because she's in the airport right now and oh. right like andy i hadn't even thought about it like i hadn't even considered what what okay what is she having? Yeah, Sierra look what you've done this is I awesome know. I think the, the airport one is great yeah. because you're gonna deal with security and that always <gasps> for me I'm like oh god what do I security. need to not have in my bag to get through security and oh, it, that makes a huge difference what's in no, the bag do they plan are they that. one of those yeah, not they that, kick you out for water yes exactly yes. 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 <laughs> No, yeah, not only that. Based on a semi-true story. <laughs> it's, true. No, it's true. It's like you think you've packed everything carefully, and yet you're still nervous that maybe yeah. you, something yes. slipped in there that they will see, and they'll be like, "You step or out the, of the line." Or no, the opposite. Right. You didn't put it in there because you know that they're gonna, and now you you feel bad because, like, you know, like you're always counting on that one thing, and now you don't have it. So I actually brought pepper spray on an airplane. On accident, because my job, I have to have pepper spray, and it was in my purse, and I went on the plane, and I'm sitting there, and I go through my purse, and I realize, oh, crap, I got pepper spray in my purse. <laughs> What's going to happen when we're in the air? Is it going to explode? Like, is it pressure? Well, so that's a very interesting character element. I want to uh -huh. know more about a person who has to... Peppers to take pepper spray as a part of their job. That's wow. right. What kind of job do you have? I mean, that's yeah. already extremely. No, we, no, we keep telling her to incorporate her job into her writing because it's so yeah. fascinating. Her job is so fascinating. Oh, uh, yeah, it's master class right here. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you just schooled us in yep. writing oh that we did not like expect or think about or like. We were, you know, that circle loading sign. <laughs> <laughs> and do you love how she just like right now, she, like right, like you're so excited because after we get done, we're gonna go start writing right now. Like, exactly. gonna... it's like what's in the, what's in my character's purse? <laughs> and did you notice how like she just slid that in? Like that wasn't like I mean that wasn't in our face. Like that was no, like you know, yeah. That no, that was just. That was smooth. And I can just now see all the light bulbs that are turning on across the writing universe. I hope like, so. Why didn't we think about... No, because these are some things that yet we have... I mean, I don't leave a, my house without my purse or my bag. I don't. You know? Right. And yet, why does why does our character walk around with nothing? Nothing. It's you such know? a simple concept too. It's just yes. such a simple like thing, like a no brain type of concept. You know mm -hmm. that your character would have certain things on them, and and it does. It really does inform part of their character to know what it is, and and it does help to flesh out the character too. If you have like oh, yeah. seeing them or able to visualize what their needs are, I mean that is something that you can help. You know just. That was so cool. Oh my god! Oh my god! Thank you. Oh my god! I I'm mean, so glad. I mean, the real uh, the reality no. is, I don't think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> it's just, I think it's just all in there and in a swirl. And well, I wish I was we, like, yes, here's the thing I do, and now. I'm no, done. but here's the thing: we never thought about it at all. 
Yeah. <laughs> at all. And then you like, thought about all. it and then shared it with us. We're like, duh. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't Very, very important to have. Like, I agree. Yep. Now we need to send Mike a muffin basket or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This thing wouldn't have happened without him. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot paddle. Ooh, okay, we need to process, but Sierra, you are yes. wonderful. You just blew our minds. We did, we, <laughs> we walked into this like really not ha, huh, we uh, again, yeah. once more, this podcast <laughs> has amazed us beyond our expectations. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and uh, you know, I now will have to segue. Christy, speed round questions, please. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So these are top of your head answers. One one word answer is fine. Or if you want to expand up, whatever you feel like. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Ready. If you could switch jobs with someone for one day, what would it be? Oh, that's a great one. I'd be a cryptologist at <laughs> the CIA oh, wow. solving the world's most complicated puzzles. That would be so much fun. Wouldn't it? Yes. My mind does not work that way. And I would love it too. But I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Sierra, <laughs> you're... By the way, top secret government clearance, you know, the top, yes. top level also. I want that. I, I, I would go to check out if there's aliens that really exist, if we did that. With... I, um, do you collect anything? Not anymore. <laughs> I've been in a stage in my life where I'm trying to get rid of crap <laughs> yep so, yeah. mary condo yep um yeah which seat do you usually get on an airplane the leave me alone window seat the i'm in a hurry aisle seat or the i bought my ticket late middle seat <laughs> always the leave me the heck alone window seat. i'm an introvert i want to read and i don't want to be disturbed by anything i will be like a camel. I will never get up to pee. <laughs> Same. Yep. Totally agree with you. What's your favorite activity on your day off? Oh gosh, I love to take hikes in some open space parks near near where I live. Just the the sense of quiet, the green, the wind, the birds singing. Oh, heaven! It opens up my mind because I work from home. And I also am fairly introverted and don't like to leave my house. So uh, that change of scenery is, is just lovely. Very nice. Would you rather live in deep space or in the deep ocean? I think the deep ocean. Mm. Yeah, having grown up in Santa Cruz and the ocean right there is a big part of everyone's life. Uh, I think the ocean. Although I do worry about the pressure. <laughs> I know. Either way, it's kind of like if something breaks. <laughs> what is one thing you would never do again? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I think I probably wouldn't have queried that first horrible hundred and twenty thousand word manuscript. <laughs> Yep. No, I, I've been there. done that. Sorry to all the agents. I apologize. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be clear, I have a long list of regrets, in my life, but um, that one's the most appropriate for the show. 
that's fine. Um, which is your favorite fast food or coffee chain, coffee house chain? I don't do a lot of that. I I guess In and Out is my <laughs> default for fast food, but um, yeah, I'm not. I'm just not a big person to go out and get it. I know from New Jersey, I would love to even try In and Out one day. I'm just it's gonna so have good. to fly out west it's and try that. Good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you have a favorite sports team? I do. Atletico Madrid in Madrid, Spain. That's a soccer team. And yes, they are my team. Love them. Follow them. Support them. (laughs) Very nice. Like it. On a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to sleep in on the weekend? Oh, these days, uh, zero. Uh, so this is an interesting evolution. I uh, sleep and I have a complicated relationship. And but uh, these days, if I oversleep my normal wake up time, I get headaches. So mm. now I'm like really paranoid about getting up. And I have two stupid cats who always wake me up for their breakfast at 630. I'm up at 630. It's not by choice. <laughs> that's just how it is and I get up so that you know I don't have that headache situation happening and, yeah yep no I'm and the kids too once you start having kids or like cats or anything that just yeah that lives in your house with you everything changes after that well the, the kids get better as they get older mine are both sleeper inners now but the cats man oh worse yes routine why do i have you i know (laughs) this morning one woke me up at 5 30 by licking my toe and i'm like (laughs) i hate cat licks i just i can't that feeling but anyway the last question is do you have a right? Uh, do you write a journal? Um, I will say not really. I try to, um, but then I forget to. So I yeah. can never do it very consistently. Um, and I tried keeping a Google Doc. Oh, that's <laughs> uh, a good idea. The reason for the Google Doc is because I hated finding old journals of mine. And then I would think, oh God, when I'm 90, are like great grandchildren going to go through and read all this? I don't want that. <laughs> I've got to destroy that. But then, but then I'll forget, I'll forget. And it's nice to reread something. So my thinking was, okay, well, if it's digital, then I can just delete it later. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, yeah. Password protect. So nobody can open it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for answering all those. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Oh, also, you know, uh, so Shelby's, I mean, look, Christy has hit us with a brand new set of questions what are your responses? Are they similar to Sierra's? Are they different? Please let us know in the comments down below. We would love to interact with you. And, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, why not? Come on, <laughs> subscribe, hit that a notification bell and that like button because we don't want you to miss a single episode every week like this one of Sierra's. I mean, if, if a light bulb did not turn on in this episode alone, I don't know anymore. I can't help. We can't help you anymore. That's that's basically. Forget the whole thing. Forget it. Just, just maybe this is not for you. That's what it is. But really, because the what you have shared with us is so, it looks so simple and common sense that we never thought about it before. And now that we're thinking about it, I'm like, huh. Yes, why haven't that? How long have I lived? I mean, I, didn't, I know this. Sierra, we are 
eternally grateful for you sharing that knowledge with us. I mean, it, we we are different writers now because of what you have shared with us. <laughs> I, and, um, I don't even know that, what to say. That's so nice. <laughs> it makes because it makes so much sense. It's it does. Like, That's the thing. I so we cannot. Yes, we cannot. We have been broken one more time, and <laughs> yes, in a good good way. This is a yeah. very very good way. You uh ding ding ding, you get a gold star at the end of the day, Sierra. Thank you so much. So where can they find you on the internets? Uh these days I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at Sierra Godfrey on Instagram. I would love to chat with listeners. So um, you know, come and find me there and let me know if you heard the show. And um, yeah, that's um, my website is sierragodfrey.com. It's a beautiful website. It is. Like it matches oh, the whole, you know, what, what you write and everything. I'm like, oh, so pretty. And <laughs> now, what are you what are you working on now that we can look forward to? Well, I've just, like I mentioned, finished up uh, writing book three, and that's with beta readers, and then that'll go to my agent, and we'll see. We will see. <laughs> and you we currently are. have a book coming out in September as well? Yes. Yeah, I don't want to forget to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> a Second Chance Hotel, which is this one here. It's Ooh, set in okay. Greece, on a Greek island, and it's about um, these two travelers who meet in Greece, and they um, get drunk, and they accidentally get married and inherit a hotel, and then they've got to figure out what the heck to do about that. So it's, it's fun. I feel like that's an automatic buy. Like, I mean... Yes. Yes, I it, hope so. Yes, totally. Yes. I'll read that. For uh, perfect be perfect beach read. I mean, yes. come on, absolutely. Greece. So I'm just curious. <laughs> just maybe quickly, what is in that character's purse? Purse. Uh -huh. Um. Okay. Well, so she has a backpack that she's hiked around Europe for three months in. So it's a lot of dirty underwear. <laughs> <laughs> a battered and old little laptop that hasn't been turned on so the battery's dead mm. um probably some you know uh toiletries that are getting down to the end of their life and uh just some summer dresses oh you know you know the underwear already informs me the kind of kind of character <laughs> because I can just imagine like her in that situation with a guy and you're like, is my underwear clean? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if you're traveling around Europe, you, you know, for that amount of time, you, you have a little bottle of uh, detergent with you and you yeah. wash out your undies in the sink, right? That's, That's what you right. do. You probably have a little, maybe you yep. take a little clothesline with you or you find some string. I don't know. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Yeah. Like when it gets down and dirty and you're like, is my underwear presentable? Is that <laughs> right? Right? Well, this, on the run. this character has run away from something that she did. And so she didn't take too much. She's just got her passport and some clothes and some sundresses and um, undies. <laughs> she just, it all fits. <laughs> totally reading that just for that no, character description alone. Yep. <laughs> Now, this is a great thing where this should be a marketing thing. It's like, what's in my character's purse? Bag, yes. Buy this book. Actually, a great idea. Yeah. yeah. This is so I'll good. 
<laughs> we're learning. We're le- yeah, see, it's like what's in your purse, right? It's, it's, it, oh, this is real. <laughs> Sierra, we are, this, this one is for the books. Read seriously. And if you ever write a how to writing book, we are your first buyers of <laughs> yes. Yes, let us know. <laughs> yes, please let us know. We Just are have to come back on again. That's yes. right. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I have to tell you, I did design um, some worksheets that kind of go through some of this stuff. That's available to any newsletter subscriber on my website. I think it's one of those you subscribe and you get this packet, it's a PDF of worksheets. And one of them is that what's in my handbook. Uh, handbag I have like a little image of a of a bag in there and you Shelby, can she's for those who are visual oh my I'm God, giving it away we're already <laughs> now asking her to monetize this and she's just giving it away <laughs> well I didn't come up with it to be fair it's not my original idea I just I just made it into a pdf worksheet <laughs> well now you know right. three more people are signing up for yes. your newsletter yes. that's for yes. sure <laughs> there we go there we go we are just blown away Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, Shelby, come on. Oh, by the way, if you want to email us, it's just shellbookspodcast at gmail.com. That's how easy it is to get in contact with us. And we'd love to hear back from you. And if you are listening to this on your favorite podcast app, you know, giving a five-star review, so easy. So, so easy. And it helps us reach other listeners, other viewers. And if you have... You know, I mean, writers come in packs. Share us with your friends. Share <laughs> us with your critique group. Share us with your beta readers. You know, we would love to interact and create this community that um, really, there's no, I, I believe there is always an episode for you with what we've had so far already and what we will have in the future. We are excited to uh, release all of these episodes for you every week. Thursday, always tune in. Uh, we release it at 8, 8 a.m. Uh, EST because so that you can have the whole weekend to just enjoy and listen it. Take us on hikes. Play us on the background while you're <laughs> doing your chores over the weekend. You, we, we are easy that way. Come on, let's do this. <laughs> All right. So tune in again next week, everybody, because we have a brand new episode, brand new author that we're talking to. We never know what we get into with these episodes. And that's the magic of it. Which is why we are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro. And Christy Berman. And remember, everybody, keep on writing. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, Sierra. That was fantastic. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting, and so are we.